I just want you to give a warm welcome to somebody very special to us, J.D. Lowry. Hey, uh, thank you so much for being here. As he said, my name is J.D., and it's my pleasure to be here. Just a quick story on how I actually got here to Spring Branch. It was a strange conversation. Real quick happened. Michael calls me up, and he says, J.D., do you believe in free speech? I said, yeah. I said, absolutely, I believe in free speech. He said, great. Why don't you come give two of them on Super Bowl Sunday? <laughs> so I think he just wanted the day off to relax and get ready to enjoy the Super Bowl tonight. But hey, you know, honestly, it is, it's my pleasure to be here. I have heard amazing things about Spring Branch uh, and the generous heart that is here. You know, I firmly believe that it's not a church's seating capacity, but it's serving capacity that, that deci uh, determines whether it's a great church. And how many of you know that this is a great church? That's right, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm honored to be here. And uh, just a little bit about me. My wife Susan and I have been married for seven years. We actually grew up together outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Big time Steelers fans. We, we, we love anything Pittsburgh. Ooh, I love it. Uh, but we, we uh, grew up together, childhood sweethearts, started dating in high school, went all the way through uh, to college, and got married at the end of our senior year, have been married for seven years, and now we have two little ones under the age of two. So we have a 21-month-old baby boy, his name is Beckett, and then we have a little girl, she's three months old, and her name is London, and they are here today, they're nice and warm and toasty down in the, in the children's area, in the promised land, and so uh, we're, we're excited to have them, but you know those rookie parents that are always thinking that their kid is just the most beautiful kid in the world. They, they th you know, they're always showing pictures and, you know, they're putting up slides and things like that on, on the screen, thinking that everybody wants to see their kids and that theirs are the most wonderful. Listen, I just want you to know I am not that parent, okay? I would not take an opportunity such as this where I have been entrusted to speak to you fine people. All right, I'm lying. Real quick, let's just take a look at my kids. These are my kids. This is Beckett in London. Here they are. If you want to meet them afterwards, they'll be around. We love them. They make our lives crazy, but we, we love them. So let me ask you this. How many of you are planning on watching the Super Bowl tonight? All right. You're in good company. According to last year's survey, 111.5 million people watched the game last year. So if you're planning on watching the game or at least the commercials, you'll be in good company tonight as you watch uh, the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, as, as a pastor and as a speaker, I'm constantly looking for stories, analogies, um, examples that I can find in the world around us that will help connect people to God's word. You know, it just, it just I'm trying to look for different ways that I, that I can do that. And so when I, honestly, when I was talking to Michael about coming down on Super Bowl weekend, he said, hey, you know, with it being Super Bowl weekend, we do this this thing, it's become a tradition where I, I throw footballs out into the crowd, and, you know, it's, it's really fun. He's like, so if you want to talk on the Super Bowl, that would be a great, a great topic to hit on. And I'm, so I said, okay, you know, let me, let me think about that. So as I was thinking about what to talk about, it dawned on me that I, I think that we can learn a lot from the Super Bowl, specifically if we focus in on the fans at the game, and even more specifically, the true fans at the game. If you've ever been to uh, a, a, an event at a stadium or an arena or, you know, at a baseball park and you've been where the, the, the crowd is just deafening loud and, and everything is just going, going crazy, then you know what it is that I'm talking about. But when you see a, uh, a true fan, 
you know, they, they kind of they stand out in the crowd. If you've ever noticed, they, they, the, crowd, uh, the, the cameras tend to span across the crowd sometimes. And for some strange reason, they always find that guy, you know, that, that just like is the, <laughs> is the, oh yeah, there he is. There he is. I thought I saw him walk in today. Was that, what, was that one of you guys? Um, yeah, so th- these guys are just, um, they're crazy. And, and, but, a, but a true fan, somebody who just loves the game, you know, and, and just will support their team no matter what. And I believe that there's some things, some truths that we can learn from a true fan today. And I'm hoping that, that what I say um, is something that connects with you. But how, how many of you know that the word fan actually comes, is a shortened form of the word fanatic? And a fanatic, by definition, is one who is filled with, ex, with enthusiasm and excessive zeal. One who's filled with enthusiasm and, and excessive zeal. And so I thought that in honor of the Super Bowl tonight, being that it's the NFL Super Bowl, I thought, hey, what if we took some time today and we just talked about three simple truths that I believe we can learn from true fans. And since it is the NFL Super Bowl, I tried to come up with three things that started with the words N, F, and L to help you remember them so that tonight, maybe, just maybe, you'd be, you'd be listening and anytime they said the word NFL, you wouldn't think National Football League, but instead you'd think about the things we talked about today. Because my intention, my hope is that you take what we, we talk about and you're able to apply it directly to your life at home. So that's my hope, that's my prayer. So you guys up for that or are you guys ready to, ready to get into God's word? All right, let's do that. So in honor of true fans and the Super Bowl tonight, I want to talk about three things. The first thing is this. I believe that the first distinguishing characteristic of a true fan is that they never quit. They never quit. If you've ever uh, been to a sporting event um, where, you know, you, you, the, the, the crowd is just totally engaged and involved in, in the game, you know, like, even if you've watched it on TV, sometimes you can hear, you know, through the TV, just the intensity that's going on, then you know what it is that I'm talking about when I say that and there's true fans that are at that game and they are engaged in the game, man, they never quit. They believe in their team. And I found this great clip of a, of a university basketball game um, to kind of give you an idea of what I'm saying when I say they never quit when they believe in their team. So check out this video. True fans, they believe, right? They, they, never, they never quit. They never quit. You know, some of the greatest sports stories ever told are the ones where a team had to face great adversity. Um, and be t- behind every great team that overcame that adversity, you have some true fans who believed in their team and they never, ever quit. And as I was thinking um, about a person in the Bible who never quit, I thought immediately of a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul. And, and the Apostle Paul, this guy, his story is the epitome of a story of a guy who was relentless. This guy never quit. And he, he believed so strongly in whatever it was, and he went so full force into it that it was just remarkable. I mean, he, to me, he's barn on the highest never quit mentality guy in the whole Bible. What's interesting about 
Paul's story is that before he was a Christian, um, he actually opposed Christians so harshly, and he used his, his enthusiasm, his, his excessive zeal, um, because he believed that they were wrong. And the very thing that he used um, against the people of God was the exact same characteristic that Jesus used in his life to bring countless people to come to know Christ. But there's a scripture to kind of give you an idea of what I'm talking about when I say that he was a fanatic and he was, he was a go-getting kind of guy that never quit. There's a, there's a verse in Acts 8.3 and it says, But Saul, who later became Paul once he became a Christian, was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house dragging out both men and women and throwing him into prison. This guy was intense. Whenever he believed in something and he believed that they were doing something wrong, he would go after them. And, and actually, in, in the Bible, a couple different times, it talks about how Paul was extremely zealous, which we learned is the very definition of a fanatic. And, and what's amazing about this is that Paul, before he was a Christian, he used this, this zeal for evil. But after Jesus got a hold of his life, man, he, Jesus turned it around and he brought countless people to come to know Christ through Paul, through his teaching. Much of the New Testament, most, much of what we read in the New Testament was written by this guy named Paul. And, I, and, and once he became a Christian, it says in Acts 28, 31, and I love how it's worded here. It says that Paul boldly proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is my favorite part. And no one tried to stop him. Why did no one try and stop him? Because they knew it was no use. They knew that he was relentless about living out his faith. Now, I don't want to give you the wrong picture about Paul. I don't want you to think of a guy who's like banging people in the head with a Bible. And, you know, he's, he, he's doing, you know, like that kind of persona. I'm talking about a guy that when he walked into a room, when you had a conversation with him, you thought, this guy is real. This guy is authentic. And, and, but he was relentless and never giving up and believing in his cause. And because of that, never quit mentality, he spent the rest of his days working tirelessly for the kingdom of God. And whenever I think of a true fan, a really true fan, I think of someone who never, ever quits. All right, so we've talked about the N in NFL, which is what? They never quit. That's right, they never quit. All right, so now let's, let's jump into the F in NFL, and that is that true fans are faithful. They don't conform. True fans are faithful. They don't conform. A true fan loves to represent their team. They have the hats and the shirts and the socks and in some extreme circumstances underwear with their team's logo on them. Um, and, and they just love to represent their team. In fact, you, you may not know this, but Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players who ever lived, played for the Chicago Bulls. But before he was, uh, you know, he went to college at the university, uh, uh, North Carolina University. And he's said to have worn his North Carolina uh, Tar Heel shorts underneath his Chicago Bulls jersey every single game. And he was quoted as saying, once a Tar Heel, always a Tar Heel. He was faithful to his team. And even though he was a bull, he wouldn't conform to that. He was still a Tar Heel. He believed, you know, and, and, it was, and he was faithful to his team. You know, another, another characteristic about a, a true fan who is faithful is they understand that there's going to be times whenever they're in the minority where, where they're going to face other people. They're going to be surrounded by other people who think and act differently than they do. And yet, because of their faithfulness, they stand up 
and staying true, and they don't conform uh, to what other people are having them conform to. You know, there's a, there's a scripture, it comes from Romans 12 too, and it talks directly about this, and it says this. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Those words that I have underlined, conform to the pattern, they actually come from one Greek word, which can be translated as also saying to form according to a mold. So basically what I'm saying here is that we have a very real enemy, okay? We have a real enemy, and his objective is to come up with his very real plan, which is to cause you and me to form into a mold that he has designed for us. See, we live in a world where he is trying to get us to, to, to just kind of be cookie cutter, to, to kind of be the way that he wants us to be so that we don't stand up and be faithful to God. He wants us to, to, to form according to that mold that he has, he has uh, set aside for us. And I think that whenever we look at that, when we understand that that is a reality, okay, that, 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 that he's trying to paralyze us and make us ineffective. That is the objective of Satan. That is what he wants to do. But when you look at a true fan, someone who's faithful, who stands up, who doesn't conform, I think there's a lot that you can learn from them. But the question that I have to ask myself, and I think we all have to ask ourselves, is this. is How do we know when it comes to walking with Christ if we're truly being faithful the way a true fan is faithful to their team? And for me, I, I, I've come up with a couple things that I like to ask myself to see if I'm actually being faithful. Because let's face it, being, you know, walking in a Christian life uh, and, and, and living out your faith, it's very hard to measure. You know, it's, it's hard to measure how, how well you're doing, if you're growing. Um, you know, it's not like facts and figures and numbers. Faith is, is a different kind of thing. And so how do we measure if we're actually being faithful? Well, there's two questions that I've come up with to help me at least somewhat be able to measure my faithfulness. And the two questions that I ask are these. What words do I use and what schedule do I choose? What words do I use and what schedule do I choose? What words do I use? What schedule do I choose? Here's what I mean by what words do I use. Did you know that in the Bible, in Matthew 18, uh, 15, 18, it says this. It says that it is out of my heart that my mouth speaks. What words do I use? I can learn a lot about who I am as a person if I start to analyze and think about the words that are coming out of my mouth. Are my words harsh? Are they sarcastic? Do they have mean intention behind them? Or do my words convey love? Do they convey compassion and encouragement? The Bible also says in Proverbs 18, 21, it says that my tongue has the power of life or it has the power of death. Life or death. And since that's true, since my tongue has so much power, and since I can analyze the words that are coming out of my mouth, I can learn a lot about my level of faithfulness based on the words that I use. What words do I use? The second question I ask myself is this, what schedule do I choose? What schedule do I choose? In other words, how do I spend my time? How do I spend my time? Do I spend hours in front of the TV or, or in front of a computer or in front of my phone and just like staring at a screen for entertainment's sake? Or am I investing in my kids? Am I investing in my wife, Susan? Am I, am I 
serving those people around me? Am I engaged with them? You know, I've, I've had so many people come up to me and say, you know, since we have two little ones under two, they say, you don't even understand how fast it's going to go by. You don't even understand that you're going to blink and they're going to be grown and gone. Trust me, it's happened to me. I see many of you shaking your head right now. You're like, yes, that is very, very true. And here's the bottom line. The schedule that I choose can tell a lot about my faithfulness. I only get one chance at being a dad. I only get one chance at loving on them and loving my wife and caring about the people around me. I only get one chance at that. And so I need to be faithful to God in the schedule that I choose and make sure that I don't pour my entire life into work and only working and, and forget about my family. I, I need to make sure that I'm doing that and that I'm, and that I'm engaged with them. We also need to focus in on what schedule do you choose? Am I spending time in God's word? Am I, am I digging deep into what God has for me so that I can grow in my faith? Because we know that it's from the renewing of our mind. It's that repetition of getting into God's word that helps my faith level grow, helps my faithfulness grow in God so that I will be willing to take bigger steps for him later on. He wants me to continually grow in, in, my, in my relationship with him. So what words do I use? What schedule do I choose? I believe that there's a lot we can learn from a true fan because when you think about it, a true fan, when it comes to their faithfulness, what words do they use? Well, they're cheering for their team. They are encouraging their team. They're yelling out for their team. That's the words that they use. And what schedule do they choose? Well, obviously, they're invested in their team. They're, they're spending time either watching them on TV or they're actually at the game investing in that. And so I really believe that we can learn a lot about the faithfulness of a true fan and directly apply it to our lives for those of us who would consider ourselves Christians. All right, so we've got the N in NFL, which is never quit. True fans, they never quit. The F, which is true fans are faithful. And now let's talk about the L in NFL. And the true fans uh, are loyal. They don't switch. True fans are loyal. They don't switch. If you've been around long enough, you probably heard the, the term bandwagon fans. Anybody ever heard that term, bandwagon fans? These are the so-called fans who switch from one team to another according to wins and losses. Maybe you've seen it, something like this little guy right here. You know, it's like, it's like the game's not going well, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and switch it up, you know, and, and I'm going to be on the side of the winner. You know, I was recently at an event at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, and after the event was over, I got the opportunity to go and walk around the Hall of Fame. And as I was, as I was walking around, I, I walked through the whole area. And at the end, I went into the gift shop. And I noticed that each team in the NFL had their own section with, with apparel from that team, you know, from, for their team. But there was one team in particular that had an entire wall devoted to their stuff. And I thought that was really interesting. Any ideas on who it was? It was the Seattle, I appreciate you saying the Steelers, but it was the Seattle Seahawks. Why? Because they won the Super Bowl last year. And I talked to an employee and he said, without a doubt, every single time that a, um, that a new team wins the Super Bowl, that team, they get the wall. Why? Because most people are like, ooh, they won the Super Bowl, they're my favorite team. You know, that kind of thing. Because they, they jump from, you know, from team to team. But when you talk about a truly loyal fan, man, win, lose, sink, or swim. They're going to stick by their team, am I right? I mean, they, they, are, they are devoted to their team. They don't switch. They are loyal. And, you know, that's, that's difficult because circumstances can sometimes not look right, good, right? Whenever loyalty, when it comes to loyalty. Sometimes it's difficult because it doesn't look like it's going to end up in your favor. 
but a true fan is loyal. And when I was thinking of, of a, a person in the Bible who was truly loyal, I thought of a, a guy from the Old Testament by the name of Daniel. And Daniel is the perfect example of someone who remained faithful despite the fact that his circumstances would, would prove otherwise, that it was going to be difficult to be loyal um, to, to, uh, to God. And the reason why I thought of this story is because as I was um, preparing for this message and I was thinking about this, I, I remember that each night before bed, my son and I, we read, it's called My Very First Bible Stories, and, and they're basically just famous stories from the Bible that are turned into rhymes. And the story of Daniel is in here, and I thought, man, that, you know, that's a great, a great story. So I certainly um, don't mean to minimize God's word, but if you don't mind, I want to read from, uh, from my, my son's Bible that's a rhyme, just to kind of get us on the same page so you can kind of hear what I, I read to him. And this is the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Here's what it says. Daniel was a fearless slave respected by the king. Other men were jealous, so they planned an evil thing. They told him, prayer is now a crime as Daniel knelt each day. Then secretly they watched his room until they saw him pray. They threw him in the lion's den and hoped that he'd be killed. But God kept Daniel safe from harm. The king was truly thrilled. Now, you see, Daniel was a guy who was extremely loyal to God. But he was a slave to another kingdom and to another king. But the reason he was a slave and he was brought in was because he was a highly gifted, very intelligent guy who was able, to, who they were hoping would be able to help make the kingdom a better place. Well, as time goes on, he begins to move his way up in the ranks and the king starts to notice Daniel and give him more and more responsibility to the point where he's decided he's actually going to make him second in command only behind the king. Um, in order, you know, to serve the kingdom. Well, you can imagine all the, the natives from the kingdom that are, you know, in the administration, they're ticked, right? Because they're like, hey, wait a second, why would you let somebody that's not even from our country lead our country? And so they're trying to think of a way that they can get him into trouble. So they devise this plan that they're going to talk to the king and, and convince him somehow that he should say that, hey, anybody who prays to any of their gods for the next 30 days needs to be put to death. And, and it would be a great idea for you to get a pit full of lions and we'll just throw them in. It would be a good old time. And, and, and somehow they convince, uh, they convince the king into doing this, even though the king um, you know, is, is in favor of Daniel. He doesn't, he doesn't know that Daniel's going to be the one, right? That he's going to be the one who remains loyal to his god. See, back in that time, there were many people who believed in multiple gods. But the administrators who didn't like Daniel, they knew that he believed in only one true God, the God that we're here to talk about today. And so they, they knew that if they could get the king to do this thing, um, that it was going to work out in their favor. So, you know, without a doubt, uh, they see Daniel. He's, up, he's, he's, he's so forthcoming that they, in his prayer life to God that he, they can see him praying from his window to God. And so they go back to the king, and they're like, hey, king, guess what? And they're like, he's like, what? And they're like, listen, we have an opportunity here. Um, we have an issue here. I mean, uh, Daniel has been praying to a god, and I think we need to take care of that. So even though he loved Daniel, what happens? He has to throw him into the, into the lion's den. So the night goes by. The next day they wake up. They look into the, the lion's den, and there they see Daniel sitting pretty with these lions. And so they pull him out. And he goes to the king and he says, you know, the reason that I was saved was because God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions so that I wouldn't be harmed. 
And here's what I want you to catch. This is how impactful loyalty can be. You see, as the result of Daniel's loyalty to God, the king sends out a new decree that everyone in the entire nation is now called to honor and worship and respect the God of Daniel. That is how impactful loyalty can be. You see, as the result of just one person standing up and saying, I'm not going to switch, I'm going to be loyal, it allowed a ripple effect that had huge implications. You see, a true fan is someone who is loyal, and that, that person's loyalty, even if it's just one person, can cause a ripple effect that changes an entire nation, entire community. So here, here we have it. We have the N, the F, and the L. We've got that a true fan never quits, right? We've got the, that, that a true fan is faithful, and we've learned that a true fan is loyal. So my hope and my prayer tonight is, as you're watching the game, is that you'd be able to remember that NFL, that they never quit, they're faithful, and they're loyal. They never quit, they're faithful, and they're loyal. But let me ask you this. It's really fun to be able to, like, say, oh, I know what we talked about today at church. You know, that's great. Um, but the truth of the matter is it doesn't mean anything if we can't somehow apply it to our lives, if we can't somehow look at what we're, what we're talking about today and say, what does that look like for me in my own life when it comes to my relationship with God? And so my question to you is, what would it look like in your life if you decided that you were never going to quit, for example, you were never going to quit forgiving that person who has hurt you and who is deeply, let's face it, if you, if you were to form according to the mold of this world, you would hold a grudge until the day you die because they have hurt you. And it is not fair what they've done to you. But what if you decided today that you were never going to quit forgiving them? Every time that it came back out and you, you felt this unforgiveness, you're like, you were just going to pray and say, God, I just, I just want you to know that I'm going to get right with you and I'm going to pray that, that I forgive them and that you would continue that healing process in my life. What would that look like? How might your relationships begin to change and your heart and your, the weight on your shoulders begin to lift if you were able to forgive that person? Or if you were able to say, you know what, I'm never going to quit praying for my spouse. You know, that, that they, maybe they're here today, maybe they're not here. And you're praying that they would come, start coming to church and, and come to Spring Branch and, and start hearing, you know, some of God's word. Maybe they're here today and you have a great relationship, but you're like, you know what, I just want to continue to pray that God would, would be in their life and help direct their life. I see a lot of young faces in here. Maybe you're not married yet and you're like, I don't even have a spouse, so that doesn't really apply to me. What if you said, you know what, I'm never going to quit praying for my future spouse. What if you said, until the day I say I do, I'm going to continue praying for them, and I'm going to say that I, I'm going to pray that God would take a hold of their life, that God would allow them to, to never quit, to be faithful and to be loyal to him, so that whenever we do say I do someday, they'll know that I was praying for them, and God will hear my prayer and help direct their life. How might your relationships begin to change? You know, whenever I think about my own personal life, I, I got to share a little bit. Michael was saying that I, I got to share last night at the men's breakfast, or yesterday morning at the men's breakfast, and I got to share a little bit of my story. And I can tell you that in my own personal life, whenever I started to put these three very simple but very true principles into practice, I began to see God transform my life in a different way. You know, whenever I would show true loyalty, because let's face it, there have been many times in my life and probably in your life, whenever you really, really wanted to do something that wasn't loyal to God because it would make it easier or because it felt like you were going to get thrown into a, a modern-day lion's den like Daniel. 
You know, it, we think, oh, you know, Daniel, it, we, we know the end of the story. We know Daniel made it out of the lion's den. But whenever you're on this side and you can't see past, you know, see the end of the story, it's scary sometimes to say, God, I'm going to be loyal to you no matter what. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to back up. And, 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 and I, it's easier to, to, to understand and say, well, my circumstances are going to determine how I respond in this situ- situation. How could your family be changed if you started to have the loyalty to God that Daniel had to God? What if your kids got to see that? What if your grandkids or your nieces or nephews or your friends got to see that you started having such loyalty to God that even if it looked as though you were going to get thrown in a modern day lion's den, they saw you stand firm and remain loyal to God and that you trusted him so deeply that you were willing to go through that and know that you were going to come out on the other side and be able to say, you know what? God shut the mouths of those lions and that's why I'm unharmed because I remained loyal. True fans, they never quit. True fans are faithful. True fans are loyal. And if you and I are willing to apply these principles that we can learn from just watching the game tonight, man, it can transform our lives. But it, it, what it takes is for you to, and I to say, you know what, I'm actually going to try. You can ask yourself questions like, what words do I use? What schedule do I choose? That's going to help you level, d- determine the level of your faithfulness. Because you can learn a lot about what's going on inside your heart by what's coming out of your mouth. You can learn a lot about what is, is going on in your life by seeing your schedule and seeing what is truly the priority in your life and what really is taking a back seat. There is so much we can learn. So tonight, here's my challenge, and I'm wrapping up. Tonight, as you're watching the game, don't just watch the game and, and you know, eat chicken wings and, and, and enjoy the chicken wings, for heaven's sake. But, but, but don't, don't just do that. And don't just, like, kind of watch the game. Please don't just, you know, enjoy the, the Katy Perry halftime show. Um, I'm sure it's going to be great. But don't just watch that. And, and, and don't just enjoy the commercials. Whenever you hear the words NFL, I want you to think true fans never quit. True fans are faithful. True fans are loyal. And then I want you to ask yourself, how can I begin to apply that into my own life? So as the, the, the uh, camera is spanning across the crowd, Think about the true fans, because there's a whole lot that I think we can learn from a true fan. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for these people, uh, for them being here today. And God, I pray that, that these words and your scripture would penetrate our hearts, that we would, we would understand that there is application here. And, and while these are just simple little truths that we can learn from something that's going on around us, Lord, you, you want to use this stuff to change our lives. Lord, it says in James that that faith without action is dead. We can can believe it, but unless we live it, it doesn't mean anything. So Lord, help us to apply what we're learning today. Help us to enjoy the time tonight where where we're gonna be, you know, maybe with some friends or some family. Maybe we're gonna have a party. Maybe we're not watching the Super Bowl at all and we're doing something totally different. But Lord, I pray that whatever it is, that, that, that we would begin to seek you because your word says that when, when I seek you first and your righteousness, that everything else begins to fall into place. Lord, how great would my life be if I, if I lived that every single day when I sought you first and I just trusted you with every little detail of my life. 
and then all those things would be added to me. All those things that, that I'm worried about, all those things that, that kind of that get to me, you're like, hey, I've got that stuff under control, but you've got to focus on me. Put me first. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity uh, for me to be here, and uh, thank you so much for, the, for these people, and I pray that you would just bless us and lead our lives. It's in your name we pray, and everybody said, amen.